This episode of Voices in Local Government is presented by SAP Concur, the world's leading brand for integrated travel, expense, and invoice management solutions, driven by a relentless pursuit to simplify and automate these everyday processes. The highly rated SAP Concur mobile app guides employees through business trips. Charges are directly populated into expense reports, and invoice approvals are automated. By integrating near real-time data and using AI to analyze transactions, local governments can see what they're spending, improve compliance, and avoid possible blind spots in the budget. Visit concur.com slash city hyphen county hyphen managers to learn more. Welcome to Voices in Local Government, an ICMA podcast to share success stories, setbacks, ideas, and lessons for local government leaders and their staff. My name is Joe Superville. Joining us to talk about city-county finance transformation trends and recommendations from SAP Concur is Jim McClurkin, VP of Sales Public Sector, and Miriam Rayward, Senior Value Consultant. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. So let's start off just by defining finance transformation. Uh, I think the audience might kind of assume, hey, is this digital? Is this just talking about automation? Is it software? But you tell us, how do you define finance transformation? Well, finance transformation is a process. It's not um, something that has a clear, it has a clear beginning when we start thinking about how to transform an organization um, from a finance perspective. But given that reality continues to change, our um, environment continues to change, it doesn't truly have an end in sight. We can have different processes that help us get to an end goal. It can feel kind of like a moving post that we're trying to aim at. So finance transformation is all of the processes, all of the different operations that an organization goes through in order to um, achieve their financial goals. I think local government and really any industry is, is used to moving targets and moving goalposts. So you're <laughs> right. There's no there's no job job well done, mission accomplished, wash your hands of it. It's an ongoing thing. So Jim, can you talk to us a little bit about I mean why this is important? Obviously, budget financing, it touches everything. It's maybe even the first step before any of these um, service deliveries or other things local government are trying to achieve can even happen. But what specifically about, as Miriam was explaining, kind of keeping up with those moving goals, why, why is that important? Or, or the other side, what happens if you don't keep up with it? Well, sure. Well, well, the bad news is you end up in the newspaper, right? And nobody wants that. You know, transparency being paramount these days, um, there's a lot of federal money pouring in, there's grants, there's all this money pouring in state and local, and transparency and reporting and auditability is required. And in the current processes, it's very difficult for anyone to do that. The other big piece is security. I mean. Ending up in the newspaper can be a couple of things, right? You could either be fraud or you could be hacked and you've got ransomware and everything shut down. So by looking at latest in technologies that are available to you, it provides you, A, the security blanket of getting more secure solutions in place than what you may be using. And two, is to be able to provide the audit trails and the transparency on the money that's being spent in your organization. All right. So that's a good setup on what and why. Let's shift towards the how, which is which is the hard part. Can you start with integration? How there's a lot of moving pieces, HR, payroll, et cetera. So you, you tell us how how does it all integrate 
integration is a is an interesting thing and it means a lot of different things to different folks right so first is typically somebody has a core financial system that they're utilizing and a lot of organizations aren't going to be able to just change the core but what they can do is change what they integrate to the core by getting best of breed solutions that integrate with what they have with people who have actual experience doing it with the public sector and then use use that so that's that's one integration you know there's always people integration on the back end okay how do i integrate a new process and new technology to the people that i have on staff right so sometimes integration is different things different people so there's the integration from a technology standpoint and then the integration to your organization and they're equally as important because of change management with the people and with the uh, utilization of the right solutions with your core. That's right, Jim. And within the, the context that we live in, finance doesn't live on its own. It is not its own little bubble that can make decisions. Uh, finance impacts every aspect of an organization. It impacts, as you mentioned, HR, it impacts payroll, um, travel and expense, accounts payable. Um, you also have a compliant, big compliance component. So we see how finance doesn't live on its own. Therefore, the integration that Jim talks about, which needs to happen both from a people perspective and a platform and technology perspective, this is where it all meets. It can be challenging because it has a ripple effect, but at the same time, it's incredibly empowering to those finance organizations because if you successfully manage to transform in the right direction, that has a ripple effect all throughout the organization. Can the technology make it easier for the people side of it? And that's maybe projecting a little bit as someone who is late on a um, expense report, we'll just leave it at that. But it, it's hard and the finance team tries to help and make it easier, but it's not. Absolutely. So is that a kind of bridge to say, hey, we're here to help, but also this will be easier for you? Absolutely. And a lot of the times when we think about technology and integration, we think that this is going to be a big hurdle for everyone involved when really technology can help with this integration. When you have a system in place that helps you understand what the next point of the process should be, where you should go next how you should go about submitting that expense report, Joe, that you're late on. Um, if you have those reminders in place, if you make it easy for everyone who's a part of the system uh, to do their parts, on one hand, it becomes a great experience for every user, both on the back office side as well as the end user like you, Joe. Uh, but then also, um, in addition to having that great user experience, you also have the advantage of remaining compliant. We know for a fact that compliance, most of the times, is um, something that people want to do the right thing. And especially when, when we're talking about um, city and local governments, we know that people are there for public service um, and they want to do what's right. But a lot of the times it's hard to know what and how to do the right thing. So technology can help in making that choice and that action and that compliance um, so much easier for everyone involved in the process. And this is where technology can really help. Other than integration, specifically you mentioned people again, what about talent and change management? Everyone keeps hearing about the great resignation, the great retirement, that 
maybe ticked up a little bit recently, but we've also been hearing about that for years and the numbers are sometimes gray area, but how do these type of solutions or finance transformation fit into retention, recruitment, all of that? How does that, how does, how do those things connect? There's no doubt there's a massive shortage of staffing uh, in the state and local government world. Um, I was at a conference recently when someone actually mentioned that uh, as a chief financial officer for a state that they actually had just gotten fully staffed and people in the room literally applauded. It, it's been that bad. So the, one of the main goals of the technology is to help you bridge the gap between not enough staff and being able to be efficient and work with the staff you do have. So these technologies will take the burden off of needing all the staff because of needing them for all the manual processes, for all the, the paperwork and, and all the things that the, the, the uh, solution, whether you want to call it digitization or automatization, whatever you want to call it, right? The technology helps you bridge that, that gap and not only bridge that gap, but then allow you to point those very valuable employees you do have the more value added activities instead of mundane tasks, right? Uh, they're actually doing things, you know, that they really want to do and analyzing the business and analyzing spending, doing whatever it is they do, but instead they're, they're, they're strapped to these processes because they don't have technology to help them. That's right, Jim. And another point that I wanted to bring up with um, people leaving organizations and on the great resignation side, it was mostly not so much within the state and local government arena because there's there's not that much turnover in terms of people looking for different jobs and people tend to stay for uh, longer periods of time, but more on the, the great retirement, right? Uh, one in four workers being a baby boomer means people are retiring. And when people leave the organization, it leaves there's all of this knowledge, institutional knowledge that has the risk of leaving together with the person who exits the organization. And so having a platform that contains those processes, that institutional knowledge preserves that continuity. Um, And then on the automation side of things, as Jim was mentioning, it's a complement because it helps employees become more valuable within the tasks and how they uh, spend their time. There's many advantages. <laughs> okay. And then how analytics is another buzzword that can mean a lot of different things to different people, as, as Jim said earlier about the automation and integration. Real-time data, analytics, whatever you want to call it, what part of the puzzle is that? How does that fit in to actually make these processes more efficient? That's a great point, Joe, and my opinion, and I think Jim shares this, um, it's a key component um, to this whole finance transformation. Having data availability is the biggest single resource that a finance department can have. Because when you have real-time data, you can have insights in terms of how you're spending the budgets that you have and where you are in terms of that budget allocation. Haven't we heard the story about um, that department that all of a sudden when they have one month left in their finance, in their fiscal year, they realize that they have all of this budget and they need to find ways of spending it or that somehow they find that they have overspent. 
So having that real-time data and analytics can help make decisions um, real-time almost um, so that you can adapt to the resources you have and use them to the best of your ability. So it's not just about having visibility into your spend, but also how you're spending the budgets that you have available. Um, having data can also help you analyze where that money is going, whether there's compliance risk, um, whether you're gathering all of the information that you need to successfully report back on how that money is being spent. So to us, it is critical. And this is where technology can really help streamline all of those sources of data for analytics and almost real-time decision-making. Can that also tie into not just outgoing money or money spent, but return on investment or, okay, we spent this, but then it brought in this amount. So then that can adjust the budget up or down. Um, and I was laughing a little bit, as you said, like into the fiscal year, into the calendar year, whatever it is, there, there's sometimes that, hey, great job, not overspending, but now there's there's a lot of money that use it or lose it. Um, <laughs> right. But if you spend money on a program halfway through and it turns out you see good results, not necessarily immediately, but you see results maybe six weeks, 10 weeks later, can these type of solutions help with that so the department head can point and have, have the data to show, hey, this program's working, that justifies either investing more money into it or then here's this more money we can shift elsewhere where we need it, such as hiring, as we discussed earlier. How, how does the kind of cash flow, even if you want to use that phrase, I'm not finance expert, but the, the money in, can it track that too? Yeah, no, actually cash flow is the exact terminology to use here. Um, so really, I'm a visual learner. A lot of people, maybe that will be on the podcast. So typically during a month before they close a month or close a quarter or whatever, this is what their reporting analytics look like. Nothing. Zero. Blank page. Is what he's <laughs> it's a blank sheet of paper. <laughs> it's a blank page, right? And, and you don't know what's happened until it's too late. So these solutions will allow... Uh, someone who can actually use and understand and work with the actionable data that's provided to take action in process before it's too late, right? And analyze all kinds of things, both good and bad, where the money's being spent, who it's being spent with, how many times it's being spent there. Oh, by the way, who does anybody even know this company? The landscape of uh, state local government is littered with, you know, the incidents of, of fraud by people paying, classic example, you, you don't get your stuff done, you can't pay a vendor in time, vendor goes, hey, they haven't paid us, you send a second invoice, and then somebody in finance pays both invoices. Doing it manually, you don't catch that till maybe end of year, close out, maybe an auditor catches it. If it happens and you have a solution in place, it's flagged immediately and stopped. So right. there's so much that goes on around data, and I know we're all, but to the point of having, if I never hear the word data again, that's great. So now we've gone to analytics, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, getting real actionable data while you are look, watching your cash flow and you see what's happening with your cash flow, it allows you to manage your cash flow. What has been spent? What am I obligated to spend right now? And where's my cash flow? Without real tools in place, you know, it's hmm, maybe. <laughs> Okay. And the, right. you know, I gave that example of, hey, we put this project in, it'd be great to get some immediate feedback. But there's also, especially in local government, there's those projects that have a very long time horizon. 
how do you reconcile or split the difference when some projects you're not really going to even know, or there might not be incoming data points? How does that fit in um, looking at the balance sheet? Well, as a classic example of someone putting in a big blanket PO, a single PO based on, say, a grant that's going to have a number of invoices come against it for various things. Automation and the workflow that is in it, and you know, we utilize a lot of technologies. I'll, I'll use the AI, artificial intelligence, the, the boogeyman right now, um, but we use it in a, <laughs> in a, a legitimate business fashion uh, in conjunction with machine learning and other technologies that monitor activity like that so that it knows when, when something is coming in, it, that's supposed to go against this PO, which is on this grant and that, right? So that, that's all part of automation and workflow that is today for, unfortunately, a lot of folks is just manually handled. Yeah, okay, this came in. If, if they don't put the right grant number on the invoice or they don't put you know, the right nomenclature in certain spots, it goes to the exception file. It, now it's late. It's just, a, it, it can be just a mess. And not only when it comes to invoices coming in and how do we know how to process them, how do we know what budget to put it up against, uh, but also when you're, even before the spend happens, having those controls in place to understand and getting pre-approval to understand uh, whether or not there is a budget to do that in the first place, having that ability to pre-authorize the spend is also something that technology enables finance departments to do. So to that point, Joe, of like, how do we even do it up front and how do we manage the return on investment and how do we get real-time visibility? That's another way that it can happen. Okay. I was laughing at pre-authorization sounds good. I, aside from my expense report, I screwed up a purchase order recently. So that, that would have been <laughs> Let's move to tips. Like how this all sounds great, and I think the software, which you know, we'll get to at the end. For someone listening who's been agreeing and kind of nodding their head, saying, "Even oh, I wish we had that. I wish we had that." Can you share some tips on how to optimize the processes and how do you actually get this stuff done? If you're the people in the finance department, kind of struggling with it, um, and I should clarify, not struggling through their fault, just struggling because of lack of resources, maybe or too much volume and not enough people to get it done. That's right. Well, I'll, I'll kick off, kick us off with uh, a couple of tips. I think the most important thing when you're about to embark on trying to transform your finance department is understanding where you are, what resources you have, to your point, Joe, and then making the most of it. Understanding that there are opportunities out there to partner, not only just contract, but partner with a technology or a software vendor, uh, but then with the people behind there, uh, behind that technology that can help you set you up, help set you up for success and make the most out of those resources. Understanding what you're trying to achieve through the processes that you have in place, understanding what is top of mind for that department. So understanding that, for example, reporting is critical in terms of um, being able to 
you know, you have this accountability component with state and local government. So how do you report back and how do you justify all of the different um, spend items on your budget? This is where technology can help. Is this a priority? Is it more on the compliance side? And what exactly? Keeping your platform and keeping all of your data secure, is that another one of the components that you're interested in? So it's about understanding where your priorities lie and finding a partner that can help you understand how to map out that process so that you can make the most out of your resources. When we talk about optimization, technology is is the lever that can help pull all of this together. Having one platform, having the data and analytics side of it, and then having all of those controls in place that can help you you know, have that pre-authorization as we talked about, or ensuring that that compliance component, having the data and analytics that come up as a result of that entire process. So first of all, I would say understanding what you're trying to accomplish, what your business core organizational goals are, and then trying to make the most um, with the technology that can help you leverage um, the processes that you already have in place, capitalize on that knowledge that already exists within the organization to achieve all of those goals and objectives. Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of the tips that I would give is, you know, for a lot of these organizations, change is a very difficult thing. And so change management is a huge part of it. And so a couple of things that you really need to do there, even before you go out and start talking to vendors, right? you need to do an honest assessment of your team, of your resources, understand strengths and weaknesses, and then talk to them beforehand that, hey, we're gonna go out and start evaluating technologies to help you. We wanna get tools in here that will make your day better, that will help everyone you know, succeed in their mission. And that helps you getting that buy-in on the front end before you just go out and go, Hey, got a new toy. Guess what? You're going to use it, right? And then you have resistance and you have people pushing back. And here's some mandatory training that no one wants to do. And your your adoption rate goes like this and, you know, and and all those things. But if someone feels like they own part of the process, this also gives you the opportunity to have a really strong baseline understanding of what kind of vendor you need. You know, obviously we'd recommend someone who has experience in the state and local government space for sure. And also understand that based on your evaluation of your resources, do I need to crawl into this? Can I walk into it? You know, for most state and local organizations, the biggest nightmare is when a, a vendor comes in and throws the entire portfolio at them. We're going to put everything in and we're going to go for everything right away. And, and those are typically a disaster. And that's where that assessment on the front end comes in. Know what your strengths are. Know what you can handle. And then figure out how big that bite is you can take first. And also make sure that it's a technology that you can start in a spot and continue to optimize and add feature, add functionality as the adoption is grown, as the, as the level of knowledge in the system increases. Don't, you know, just diving in the deep end of the pool is not always the right answer. Okay. And I was going to ask how, what would you recommend to whatever the title might be, CFO type, the head of the finance department in a local government, how would they make the case to the city county manager and potentially eventually the council proving the budget in the first place, kind of a weird circle to 
right try and get budget approved to make the budget process easier but how how would that cfo make the case to essentially their boss or bosses well the number one thing is and we haven't even used the word yet but i'll go ahead and say taxpayers right these are taxpayers dollars this isn't money from the general fund of the corporation you're not worried about the stock price or the pe ratio this is public sector being supported by taxpayer dollars. So the mission of every organization at the base should be the, off the use and management in the best way possible to attain the services for the constituency of the taxpayers in their district, county, city, state, whatever it is. And without these kinds of solutions, you can't, you really can't do it. So the number one thing is, look, I'm trying to find a better way to improve how we spend taxpayer dollars and how we report on it back to the constituency so they know that what we're getting, we're using in the best possible way we can. It's about maximizing that value um, that you're getting out of the taxpayer dollars to summarize it in a headline. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good headline. And that's ultimately what the mission statement or whatever phrase you want to use is of, of local government, right? For whatever the topic mm-hmm. might be. And under that headline, I mean, there's a number of bullets, right? Transparency, 100% audit, cash flow analysis. You know, there's a whole bunch of things under that fall underneath that, uh, that you can continue to layer and layer and layer. But at the end of the day, it's about the protection of taxpayer dollars. Okay. And that also fits into the the long term, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but sometimes the hesitation is, hey, we just spent X number of dollars on some big fancy software, whatever department, doesn't even have to be finance. And it's okay, we use it, it gets the job done, but we don't really like it, and now we're stuck with it. So how do you address that concern or that uh, the potential objection of, yeah, this all sounds fine, but it, even if we implement it and it's helping, what about three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, which I know it's hard to project that far, but. How do you avoid that potential buyer's remorse or, hey, we're stuck with this expensive software? This is where the part that Jim mentioned about doing the due diligence in terms of who's going to be the right partner um, to help us with this transformation is so key. This is about finding the right partner that is going to have the right technology that has the experience and is capable of adapting all of and, and incorporating all of those trends, all of those needs that we see within both, well, in this case, the public sector adapts to them and continues to innovate. So having the assurance that the partner uh, that you're embarking this journey on with is going to make sure that they also dedicate the resources to continuing uh, to update the technology that they use to best suit the needs so that Joe, if in three to five years time, um, you find that there is a process that's working differently, that that technology can adapt to all of those changes. And for example, within Concur, one of the things that we have done is specific to to the public sector and to state and local government, um, as well as um, federal government. We have a platform that is very secure. We have Concur Cloud for public sector. And this is where all of the processes happen and take place, making it the a very secure network based on AWS Gov Cloud technology. So basically partnering also with best in class 
partners out there who are able to leverage our technology, our know-how with the most secure network out there to prevent that risk of cyber attacks, data leaks, and other concerns that we know are top of mind also for state and local government agencies. Concur.com slash city county is the website linked wherever you're listening to this episode, C-O-N-C-U-R, Concur. Miriam, Jim, thanks for your time explaining finance transformation for local governments. Thank you. Thank you.